The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Keeping It Real with Lori Wetzel. This program is designed to discuss trends in real estate investing, promote financial literacy, and learn how to create financial freedom for your life. Get the hottest tips from experts in real estate investing and more. Now, here's your host, Lori Wetzel. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Lori Wetzel, and you are with Keeping It Real, standing for real estate and financial literacy. Listen, I got to tell you, I just returned from a fabulous retreat in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. I spent seven glorious days there. I also had the opportunity to participate in a business training session with one of my guests who you're going to hear today, Woody Woodward. And I want to tell you, I have the ability as an entrepreneur to live my life according to the size of my dreams. How many people get a chance to say that? So today on our show, if you've never listened to me before, you might say, okay, well, why should I listen to Lori Wetzel? Well, I am going to tell you why, because I am a game changer and I bring the light. Not only that, if you work with me, I won't let you play small because we have a lot to contribute in this world. Now, My show is designed to reach open-minded individuals who are willing to explore opportunities in real estate investing and financial literacy. The show has four parts. We're going to have what's hot in real estate now in a certain region of the U.S. Today, we're going to cover the West Coast, specifically in the Palm Springs area. We also have celebrity guests, authors, and entrepreneurs. So today, you're going to meet my good friend, Woody Woodward, who is a life coach, an author, and just an all-around awesome guy. Uh, In addition to that, we're going to have a conversation about financial literacy. Uh, I'll share some emails that are coming in, favorite quotes. All of that is covered in our one-hour show today, so I'm really excited. It's going to be a great show, so let's get to it. Let me introduce my first guest, because he's going to cover what's hot in the real estate market now in Palm Springs. Uh, His name is Michael Layton, and Michael has been in the real estate, uh, has been a real estate broker and has over 30 years experience. I've worked with him both in his partner, Marsha Francois. Um, Their background includes public relations, commercial leasing, real estate office management, 
Yes, he has all of the uh, alphabet suit behind his name, GRI, Realtor, CDP, all of that. He has lots of experience, and he is particularly a specialist in the Palm Springs area and those those surrounding uh, cities and neighborhoods. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Hi, Lori. Thank you for having me on today. Oh, such a privilege. You know, uh, Michael, many of you don't know, but I worked with Michael many years ago when I was doing some of my first deals. And I thought, my goodness, I'm headquartered in Chicago, Illinois, and this real estate deal was too good to pass up. And it was in Rancho Mirage, California. And I'm like, how am I going to get this deal done? And sure enough, when you speak into the universe, people appear in your life that are supposed to be there. And a couple of phone calls were made. And within 24 hours, Michael said, yes, I support real estate investors. I'd be glad to work with you on that deal. And I got to tell you, Michael, to this day, that had a huge impact on my life. I was able to net $80,000 on their very first real estate deal. And I had such a pleasant experience working with you. So uh, uh, a world of gratitude and appreciation to you, my friend. Oh, thank you, Lori. I, I, you know, I, I enjoy working with people. Obviously, I'm in that business. But when you meet somebody really special like yourself, you always remember them. So I've always remembered our deal we had. That was fun. <laughs> it was fun. So tell me, what's hot in the market now? I know that you are based in uh, Palm Springs, but you also cover uh, many different uh, surrounding areas. So I know you cover, what, Cathedral City? You cover a number of different uh, Palm Desert, a number of different neighborhoods in that area. So tell me what's hot now. Sure. Well, the, the Coachella Valley, a lot of your listeners might rec- recognize Coachella from the Coachella Music Festival, but it's basically comprised of seven major cities, and you've named some of them in Indian Wells, La Quinta, Palm Desert, Rancho Mirage. Those cities are all, and it's, it's a fairly small market. It's a destination resort. We don't really have industry here. We don't have shift work or, or the typical big city things. It's all about golf courses and relaxation and vacation and retirement homes and things like that. Um, a couple of subcategories in there, you've got Canadian buyers uh, that basically sort of fell off the map when their uh, currency was devalued in 2015, and we haven't really had a lot of them buying. But at one point, they were almost 50% of our buyers. They were 48% of our, our market. Um, so very much a sun and fun kind of place. We're just 150 miles from L.A., so it's easy to get to. And I think the thing that a lot of people overlook when they say, oh, yeah, Palm Springs is a couple hours from L.A., well, that puts us within driving distance of like 22 million people. So you've got, you know, everybody in L.A. can't go to the beach every weekend. So <laughs> you've got a lot mm-hmm. of, of people that come out to Palm Springs, get to experience what we have to offer, and then want to have vacation or, or, uh, or retirement homes in this area. Well, that's actually a perfect segue into my next question is I'm curious about the demographics. As you mentioned, it's a resort destination. Um, so is would it be fair to say then you have your demographics reflect older buyers? Is that the case? 
Yes, it's very uh, well. The valley is getting a little younger, and the, we we call it the valley, Coachella Valley, um, and it's getting a little bit younger. And the further east in the valley you go, the younger it tends to skew. Um, we're also becoming a little bit more of a year-round destination rather than people just sort of fleeing in the summer. Um, we're having uh, pool parties and festivals and things happen even in the hot weather in the summer. But um, typically, your buyer is going to be forty-five to 50 years old or, or older and um, a lot of the buyers that we work with they're you know they're they're sort of like they're reading a script from a movie you know well we're looking to retire in five to seven years and we'd like to you know shop for a house now and get it while the rates are good and you know it's sort of the same scenario but as far as a, a big trend that's really going on other than just general people that wish to retire out here our biggest trend right now is probably the vacation home uh, rental market a lot of people have discovered that, you know, with our more affordable prices here in Palm Springs, they're able to purchase a home and then turn around and put it on one of the, like the VRBO or, or, or uh, whatever rental sites and well done, well managed with a house that, you know, gets repeat visitors. We're seeing investors make fifty to $70,000 a year in rental income. Mmm, I smell passive income. So tell me yeah, more about exactly. that. Yeah. So they're they're acquiring the properties. They're putting it on like an Airbnb or someplace like that. And they're right. using that as a rental property or income property. Now, you're saying that the timing has expanded to year-round because it gets pretty hot in the desert, right? It does. We're talking, you know, 110s to 115 in July and August. Uh, we've had quite a few of those days lately. Um, but you would be surprised, as I said, you know, the L.A. crowd and, and San Diego even is within striking distance of Palm Springs. You've got 22 million people, and, you know, they're, they're not attracted just to the beach. And then uh, we're having a, a you know, whole festival circuit come in with pool parties and things like that so there's there's activities going on that are drawing people in uh we're having a comic-con our very first comic-con conference here in in uh, the desert this coming weekend and that's bringing a lot of people to the desert in august you know the hottest month of the year uh um, wow. but yeah we're doing that so this vacation rental um is really really driving the market right now and especially for single-family homes i would say that Single-family homes have recovered uh, to almost to the peak prices uh, in a lot of places in the valley uh, that there were before the crash. But the condo market is still a little bit soft because uh, there's more restrictions, obviously, on renting those out, and then you have the homeowner's fee on top of the the actual uh, mortgage or any debt you have on the property. So, Michael, give me an idea of what of average single-family residents would uh investors would uh would like to snap up what's the square footage well, bedroom bath mm-hmm. right most m- most are going to be three two the investors love it when they can get a four three uh four bedroom three bathroom or something like that of course it has to have a pool but most homes out here do um mm-hmm. you're 
as I mentioned, we're sort of the affordable corner of California where people still want to come, and it's not the Orange County prices or the San Francisco Bay prices. And and you can get a decent home in the uh, 450 to to 600 range, um, and uh, you can put you know a pool and you can decorate it nicely. And then, like I said, you're able to rent it out. And the single family homes have that advantage of, of typically not being in a gated community or an HOA where they're restricted on on that type of thing. But the cities are beginning to look at further restrictions, so it's definitely something where you can't charge into it blindly. You have to have to be aware of everything that's going on. Okay, so the average after repair value is anywhere between four fifty and six hundred. So are you seeing a lot of cash buyers for that price range or are people still attempting to qualify for traditional mortgages? Tell me about the funding that you're seeing. Yeah, surprisingly, uh, 2012, the very beginning of 2013, was sort of the end of our all-cash party. I mean, in 2000, starting towards the end of 11, up to that very beginning part of uh, uh, 2013, we were, I mean, everybody had cash. Everybody would buy anything. You put a sign in the yard. You know, it was it was like falling off a log. Right now, um, it's something that I haven't seen, even though I've been in the business now over 15 years just in this market. Um, hard money loans. We're seeing a lot of investors come. We're not seeing nearly as much cash. Uh, they mm-hmm. call it cash, but then when you read the offer, you realize they're getting a hard money loan. Um, and loans are still very difficult. Uh, a lot of our buyers are experiencing a lot of frustrations and a lot of uh, pain with the uh, typical loan process, especially through the big banks. Um, they just seem like their business model is to make it as painful and difficult as possible to get a mortgage. Mhm. Mhm. Well, listen, the key here is real estate investing education because if you're going the traditional route with attempting to qualify at a big bank, as you mentioned, you may come into frustration. So, what are the alternatives? So, I hear you saying that people are using hard money loans or other transactional funding to get the deal done. Now, the key is are you educated enough to calculate uh, your your um, deal appropriately? Because you've got carrying costs associated with that, and and then that's the key. Exactly. A lot, a lot of buyers, um, I, I really have to have a serious talk with them about where the source of funds are coming from. A lot of people were back to something that I saw in 06 and 07 where people are, oh, well, my home in the you know San Francisco or L.A. or Orange County has appreciated so much. I'll just take money out of that and purchase something here. And I say, well, you know, let's carefully look at realistically what you're going to make on this house and vacation mm. rental income before you start taking, you know, equity draws on a property elsewhere. So uh, before we wrap up today, Michael, is there one uh, piece of advice you'd like to give our listeners with regards to the real estate market uh, in the Coachella Valley? Well, I would say that, you know, if you're not just buying your own personal retirement home, if you're looking at any sort of rental uh, investment property, just be sure that you're working with somebody who truly knows the market. Um, I'm seeing a lot of of -of out-of-area buyers come in and purchase homes, and they're marketing them the wrong way, or they're buying them for the wrong purpose, or they're remodeling them, and they're missing their target market. We have very specific uh, target markets, for example, in Palm Springs, the modernism, the mid-century modern 
modern homes are very big. But if you buy one of those and remodel it wrong, um, you've messed up in a very big way, and it's going to cost you a lot of money. So just be sure that you're working with somebody that truly understands the market, truly understands your goals, and also can explain to you what is and isn't going to work in the marketplace. Because buying the house, I mean, anybody can just help you fill out a real estate contract, but knowing what you're going to do with that property once it's in your hands is absolutely crucial because you could lose serious money if you do the you know the wrong remodel or purchase the house for the wrong reason. Um, you could really wind up messing yourself up big time. Mm, so true. That's why we promote real estate investing education and knowing who your partners are in your real estate deal. Michael Layton from PSAgent.com in the Palm Springs, California area. As always, a pleasure speaking with you, Michael. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Lori. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Um, when we come back, folks, when we come back from the break, we are going to then have a conversation with my very good friend, life coach and author, Mr. Woody Woodward. Take care. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers presented by SAP on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want to learn how to be a better leader, increase your level of business performance, and motivate your team and organization more effectively, listen for Performing at Your Best, Mindset Evolution with Luis Vicente Garcia. Luis Vicente and his guests will share their expertise and enthusiasm in helping you to succeed. It's combining that drive with business skills that will do just that. Tune in live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is Keeping It Real with Lori Wetzel. To reach Lori with questions or comments, please send an email to Lori at meetlauriewetzel.com. Again, that's Lori at meetlauriewetzel.com. Now, back to Keeping It Real. Welcome back, friends and entrepreneurs. Uh, We now have a very special guest on our show today. 
life coach and author Woody Woodward, and he is someone that is truly special to me. But before we get started, let me just give a bit of a background about Woody, because he has overcome some obstacles in his life. So if you think you've got challenges, you think you've got issues, listen, Woody dropped out of high school. He didn't even learn how to read until he was 19 years old, but yet he persevered as entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs do. He is now a best-selling author of 13 books, and his big thing is he likes to overcome obstacles. He likes to beat those unbeatable odds. So today, Woody is going to have a conversation with us about the five stages of belief and the five laws of engagement. Woody, my friend, thank you for being with us today. Lori, it is always a pleasure to be in your presence. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, you know, I love many of the quotes that you share with me. There's one that's one of my favorites, though. All you have to do is to be open to the possibility that you can own your own life. You've always shared that with me. Like, it's totally up to you and you can do this. So tell, give the listeners an idea of what it is that you do with, with coaching and how you can help us tap into our strongest inner strength. Well, I believe that everybody has untapped potential. Now, that potential is barricaded behind our beliefs. So all of us believe in certain things. We live and die based off our beliefs. You look at ISIS, you look at the President of the United States, you look at religions, entrepreneurs. We live and die based on our beliefs. But sometimes you have to challenge those beliefs to see if they're wrong, to see if they're holding you back. And too often in my strategizing sessions, I find that people have more than enough skill set. They have more than enough opportunity. They have more than enough resources. The only thing that holds them back is that six inches between their ears where their brain makes them think a certain way and so therefore they don't take action. You, my friend, are a fantastic pupil, if I can call you a pupil. I mean, we've, we've mentored together off and on for years now, but you have shown to me that when people are willing to change their beliefs, they can change the outcomes of their life, and you've done it in spades, so kudos to you. Ah, oh, Woody, thank you so much. And i got to tell you, though, as I listen to you and I think of the general population, I almost kind of think that in general society kind of unplugs and they don't they don't really want to challenge their beliefs. Now, entrepreneurs, on the other hand, I think are willing to they're willing to look. They're willing to become aware. They're looking they're willing to say, okay, how can I do this, not I can't do this. So there's a, there, I think there's a difference between entrepreneurs and the general population because if you're taking a risk when you challenge and everybody is not willing to take that risk, would you agree? Totally agree. The only difference between a W-2 and an entrepreneur is a false belief. So... A W-2 has a false belief, a false sense of security that as long as I go and I put in my hours, I'll get my paycheck and my life will be the same. And the reason why I say it's a false security or a false belief is 
if you've ever been laid off, laid off, you know that there's a time where your company downsizes. There's a time where the economy crashes. If you were around in 99 or 08, a lot of people got laid off. So here they had this false belief that everything was going to be fine, so they never needed to challenge anything. An entrepreneur, on the other hand, every single day is fighting for their bread. Every day they're scouring, trying to make something work. So we challenge on a daily basis. It's part of our culture. It's who we are at our core. So if you want to change your life, whether you're a W-2 or whether you're an entrepreneur, it comes down to this. People change only one of two ways. By force, meaning a bankruptcy, a divorce, losing your job, losing your home, you're forced to change, you're forced to live your life, or by consciousness. The bulk of the people are by force, but there is a select few, those real thought leaders, those visionaries, those people who change the world, they do it by consciousness. And what I mean by that is, even though your life might be going just the way you want, you've got to pause and say, could it be better? Could it be different? What don't I know? What questions do I need to ask? What am I missing? And you start to challenge those things, man, you'd be amazed how fast your life changes. Wow. You know what? And it is a rude awakening, I think, when you change by force. And hey, we're human. It happens to all of us. It certainly happened to me because I lost my six-figure income job in corporate America. Didn't see it coming. Although I should have, as two companies came together, they merged and and consolidated. And, of course, the first thing that goes is the most expensive line item. It's it's the personnel. And so... You know, I found myself without my six-figure income job, without benefits. We had two kids in college at the time, out-of-state college tuition, and it was brutal. I was in a world of hurt, but that that way of change, it was by force. But fortunately, I didn't stay in that pity party, right? You've got to pick yourself up. you got to dust yourself off. And begin to ask the questions that you just mentioned. What am I missing? Is there a different way to do this? Maybe corporate America isn't necessarily the way for me. So with that, let's let's go with the five stages of belief. Share about what that what is that and what does that mean for entrepreneurs? Well, start with a question. What does a Nintendo Wii, elephants, hummingbirds, and alcoholics? Brooklyn Bridge, and the University of Texas have to do with your success. I'll share the first story with Nintendo Wii. When I was uh, a younger father, my son was five years old. He's 13 now. I'm doing the dishes, looking in the family room, and he's playing the, the Nintendo Wii. So if you're not familiar with the Nintendo Wii, it's just a video game console, and you have a joystick. Well, he was having two joysticks in his hand. One is left, one is right, and he's playing double tennis. So he's playing against himself on both sides of the net. He's playing the left side and the right side simultaneously. I'm watching this, and after about 15 minutes, he gets so mad. He goes, I can never win, and he throws the joystick down. And I'm thinking, okay, there's my gene pool. That's my kid right there. I said, <laughs> um, you're playing both sides. You're playing the left side and the right side. So you are both winning and losing simultaneously. No, Dad, no, I know I can win. I know I can win. I said, okay, go for that. Let's see how that turns out. So he spends about another 10 minutes on it, and he completely gets frustrated. Throws down, quit, I give up, I'm never going to play this game, and he walks out the room. I thought, how often as adults do we think that something is impossible, even though simultaneously we're winning at the same time? 
So let's say you're an entrepreneur, and this is a struggle, and it's hard, and you're having a tough time paying your bills. The fact that you are off of the rat race cycle, that you're out in the open on your own, you're winning. That's fantastic. Yeah, it can be painful. It can be challenging. But you're still winning because you're doing your own thing. So the first stage of belief is impossible. Everybody starts at impossible. Whether you're learning a new hobby, you're learning a new skill, if you're playing the guitar for the first time, you try a couple strings, this is impossible. These are simple as a Rubik's cheap. You start at first, you think this is impossible, even though other people can finish it in eight seconds, but in your mind, you think it's impossible. When we think something's impossible, we don't act accordingly. We tend to pull back. We tend to not believe something is available to us, and so we give up. That takes us to the second phase. The second phase is improbable. Improbable means, uh, think about Las Vegas and the odds being stacked against you. It's not impossible to win in Vegas, but it's improbable that you're going to win in Vegas. There's a less chance that you're going to make something happen. And if you've ever been labeled, we've all felt that where people label us. And this, I want to tell you a story about a young man who's labeled a loser, a failure, a drunk, an idiot, a good for nothing. So he had these labels put upon him, and he started to believe them. He took his first drink of alcohol in, in college and said he found an elixir for life. Took away all of his inhibition, took away all his fear, his anxiety, and lo and behold, he loved who he was. But we all know the end of that story. You become addicted to the alcohol. So he did, to the point where he was so um, incapable of working that he was hospitalized. And the doctor said, you know what? You have a disease that we call wet brain that eventually your brain literally will turn to mush because of the alcohol consumption you've done, and you'll be a vegetable. So nothing, nothing will ever come of your life. And in that moment, he prayed to God and said, if my life is meant to be anything, save me now. In that moment, he said, a light entered his room, into his bosom. He felt a peace that he'd never felt before, and he swore to himself he would never take another drink. Now, fast forward a couple years, the desire to drink is still there. He's still a traveling salesman. He's still out in the public. He's still lonely when he's on the road. So instead of going to the bar, he would go to churches and ask pastors in that church if there was anyone there who struggled with alcoholism. Pastors were introducing to some people. He met a doctor named Bob Smith. So every time they would travel, they'd call each other, and they developed a support group. They started to realize this really was working well. So then they got others to come together and do it. And lo and behold, they created a great organization called AA. And in 2000, this is the most amazing thing about when we label people, there's other labels that come about. Time Magazine selected those two men as the top 20 of Time 100 heroes and icons who exemplified courage, selflessness, exuberance, superhuman ability, and amazing grace. When we graduate from impossible to improbable, we have the ability to change our life. That's what this is all about, these five stages of belief. He changed his life. His name was Bill Wilson, and he was the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. But that takes us to our third level, which is possible. Now, this is where creativity comes into place. This is where optimism starts to set in. We start to think, man, something is possible. When was the last time you flew on a plane? I know, Lori, you're in Kutakon. I was with you down there. You're flying on a plane internationally, crossing the ocean, landing on this island. That's amazing. You know, 100 years ago, that was impossible. The yes. Brothers would have never thought you could get on a plane with 300 other people flying a multi-ton vehicle across the Atlantic. You just, that was impossible. 
But as soon as we believe something is possible, everything changes. Now that jumps us to the fourth level, which is probable. Now think of being the house in Vegas versus gambling against the house in Vegas. Probability. It's in your best interest that you have the ability to succeed. It's above possible. Now things are going in your favor. There's a beautiful story of a gentleman named John and his son, Washington Roebling. They thought that they could build a bridge connecting Manhattan and Brooklyn. This bridge, a bridge like this, had never been built. Everybody, all the newspapers said, impossible. It cannot be done. They decided, you know what, we're going to build it. They raised a couple, they raised some money. They started to build the first tower. After three months, that first tower fell, crushing and killing John Roebling, the father, and hospitalizing Washington Roebling, the son. Washington could open and close his eyes, and he could move his finger, and that was about it. The rest of his body was near vegetable state. He called his wife in. Over months, they found a way to communicate by blinking his eyes and looking at letters. She would then tap on her forearm instructions. He wanted to call in all the engineers. And he said, we are still building this bridge. No matter what, no matter the cost, no matter the hours, we are going to build this bridge. So they hope so, meetings with him. Go ahead. So, Woody, so right there, you're crushed and alive, and yet you're going to persevere. You're tapping on your spouse's forearm to communicate to say, we will get this done. I cannot wait to hear the rest of this story, but we've got to go to break. So just stay tuned so you can come back and hear the remaining stages of Five Beliefs. We'll be right back with my guest, Woody Woodward. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Do you feel overwhelmed by money? Not how much you have, but how to talk about it? We face financial decisions every single day that can change the game for us. Listen for Making Money Fun with Shanna Tinjum. You'll learn more about what you can do with your money and ultimately what it can do for you. Don't cower under a rock about investing in personal finance. Talk about it with your family, your friends, and more. Listen every Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Where are you financially? Did you know that nearly three-quarters of U.S. consumers have less than $1,000 in their retirement plans? No matter what stage of life you're in, listening to The Steady Investor can help. Hosts Mitch Zacks and Mark Vickery, along with their guest experts, discuss what you need to know to warm up that nest egg. It doesn't matter when you start, you just need to start. Tune in to The Steady Investor, Thursdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
This is Keeping It Real with Lori Wetzel. To reach Lori with questions or comments, please send an email to Lori at meetlauriewetzel.com. Again, that's Lori at meetlauriewetzel.com. Now, back to Keeping It Real. Welcome back, friends and entrepreneurs. I'm with my good friend and guest, Woody Woodward, and he's reviewing the five stages of belief and how that impacts your life and your business. So the first stage he talked about was people think that it's impossible. And if you believe that it's impossible, nothing is going to happen. There's no actions. It it just won't occur. Your second stage, phase, if you will, is it's improbable, like it's not likely to occur, but it's not set in stone. The third is it's possible. So creativity comes into play. You think about, oh, this may be possible. How can I get this done? And now we are on the fourth stage where it's probable, like the best interest for you is it's going to go in your favor. So Woody, pick up with your story because you talked about how um, these individuals had an idea that they were going to build a bridge between Manhattan and Brooklyn and it never had occurred and they ran into a little difficulty or challenges, I would say. So pick up from there. Yes, so as as John and Washington Roebling were building this first tower, it crumbled, killing John and putting Washington in the hospital room. Washington learned how to communicate with his wife by tapping on her arm different letters of the alphabet. Together, they decided to communicate with the engineers who were trying to still work on this bridge. Should we do it? Should we not do it? We've got some towers built. We've got some cables going across the water. What do we do? He spent the next 13 years of his life tapping on his wife's arm the instructions for those engineers to build the Brooklyn Bridge. If you've ever been to New York and Manhattan, you see that bridge. That bridge is one of the most commonly used bridges in the world, trafficked by millions and millions of people every year. And it only happened because somebody had a belief that it was possible. Then they did the research and found out it was probable. And then they put the time and the energy and the effort into it to make it a reality. And they stuck with it to make it what I call the fifth stage of belief, which is inevitable. So first stage is uh, impossible. Second stage is improbable. Third stage is possible. Fourth stage is probable. And the fifth stage is inevitable. So when you get to inevitability, that's where no matter what, you're going to succeed. The definition of inevitability is unable to avoid. So if you've ever driven on the ice and you're sliding your car towards a stop sign or a ditch, it is inevitable you're going to crash. That's what we need to make our life about, our success about. And no matter what we do, our energy and our effort makes us absolutely inevitable to succeed. And the way you do that is by setting standards. A dear, dear friend of mine, Fran Harris, she was on the basketball team in Texas, University of Texas in 1986. They'd gone to the finals every year, and Kentucky beat them every single time. Her senior year, she's sitting in the locker room, you know, wiping her tears, licking her wounds, telling her teammates, next year, we are not going to lose. We are going to make this happen no matter what. This is her junior year going into her senior year. No matter what, we're going to do this. So they went around the room, 
and made an accountability chart, basically a standard. How many three free throws are you going to make? How many rebounds are you going to get? And it wasn't a matter of, I'm going to try. No, I'm going to do this before I get off the court no matter what. So that following season, they started to play with such a ferocity that they've never had before and the inevitability that they never had before that they went 1-0, 5-0, 16-0, 27-0. They went to play Kentucky in the finals, and her beautiful southern voice that I cannot imitate, she said, we beat them so bad that like they stole something. And they ended up going 36-0, <laughs> taking the NCAA championship, first time in the University of Texas before or since to have ever won an NCAA tournament, but also the only one to do it undefeated. That is the power of inevitability, where you wow. go beyond all points of exhaustion, and you fight, and you push, and you make it reality. There's a great quote by who I call the original Superman, Christopher Reeve. So many of our dreams at first seem impossible then seem improbable, and then when we summon the will, they become inevitable. So that is the five stages of belief. Wow. Uh, You know, that is a great framework, structural framework to live by, and I totally get it. Um, The name of my show is Keeping It Real, so i got to ask you this question, Woody. As human beings... Sometimes we suffer from emotional highs and emotional lows. So intellectually, we may understand the five stages of belief and knowing that, yeah, sometimes we may vacillate in between the different stages. And at the end of the day, you've got to get yourself to a point where, okay, this is going to happen because I say so no matter what, and I'm going to put the effort into it and take the actions to fulfill on it. But so often we are caught in our emotions, in our highs and in our lows. So how do you address that realistically? So I grew up in Seattle, Washington, and I love trees. I've been surrounded by, you know, forests my entire life. My backyard was a forest. And I was always fascinated by pine cones and pine nuts and seeds that when they would fall to the earth and be nurtured, these seeds would grow and make enormous trees, 100-foot-tall, 100-year-old trees that would last, you know, our entire generation. And so I looked at the acronym of seeds. I love acronyms. I thought, how do seeds apply to the five stages of belief? And here's how it applies to answer your question. The S stands for sample. Just logically, you know something, but emotionally it feels different. So what do you do to interrupt that thought? You've got, to, uh, you've got to take a sample of something. So if you want to change your belief or you want to graduate to another stage of belief, you've got to sample, has somebody else done it? So I've read over a 1,000 biographies, and I study people for a profession and for a hobby. If you want to know if you can achieve something, go find a biography of someone who's already done something harder than you. Instantly, as you sample that, that S for C, you sample it, you realize, I can do it. That takes us to the first E, which is experiment. You've got to try a new belief. See if it works. Does it taste good? Does it sample it? Does it work for you? That takes you to the second E, which is examine it. Review that belief. Did that work for you? So let's say you want to lose weight. Sample it. Read a book, a biography of someone who has lost weight. Experiment. You know, eat, the right, eat healthy for 30 days. Take a protein shake, protein bar. 
then examine, did those 30 days of testing it work for me? Which brings you to D, which is decide, make a decision. If you look at the definition of decide, it means to cut off. But when we make a decision, we cut off a retreat. So yes, logically we know better, but we don't act very good. Emotionally, we're exhausted. Well, sample somebody else's experience, experiment on it, examine it, but most importantly, you've got to decide to change your life. If you do not decide to change, you will never change until force comes into your life and forces you to change. Well, I, I really like the, that acronym C because when you said that, it made me think of the mighty oak trees from an acorn. It made mm-hmm. me think of the mustard seed. It made me think of the bamboo uh, plant who you don't see any sort of growth at all for a number of years. And then all of a sudden it begins to shoot up. So you got to burn the ships. You, and not only do you have to burn the ships, but you've got to be willing to take a risk. And I think that the circumstances of your environment, of your family, of the people who you hang out with, if you are more concerned about looking good or how what other people will think about you, if you try different things, you're going to have a tough time in terms of really exploring and finding your true destiny or calling in life because you're too busy worried about your circumstances and whether you look good. You've got to be willing to take a risk and if it doesn't work out the way you think it it should, it's okay. And then you you adjust it and you keep moving forward. I think that's critical. Absolutely. And think of, let's go down this analogy because I remember when you and I were in New York and we were coaching. We were at the Hilton and they had that beautiful uh, wood table. And it was just for those of you who are listening at home. Imagine cutting a tree in half in a circle ring, and they made this table out of circle rings and. In that circle ring of a tree, each line is at different shape and a size. And that depends on how much light, how much water, how many storms, how many challenges it had that year. We are the same way. So using this analogy of a tree and seeds, think about when you plant a healthy seed and you get good fruit from it. The tree gives off shade, protects you. Those different years of, have different thicknesses because of how much nurture you had, how much nourishment you had, how much love you had. So as you go about your life, think about nurturing other people's seeds or trees, if you will, as an analogy, because the more that we give to others, the more our burdens feel lighter. Woody, you know, when you said that, I almost forgot about those that table, and I instantly saw the rings in the trees, and i like, you know what, each year is something different. Some years they're abundant, some years are kind of lean, and yet we stand strong. I, You know, I could have a conversation with you all day, Woody, but we've <laughs> got to move on. Um, tell me about the five laws of engagement. I will do this very rapidly for you. And okay. it's something that you already know people experience them, they don't know what order. So there's five principles of profitable engagement. The first one is, we are all engaged in something. So your texts, your emails, your phone calls, your thoughts, we're always engaged in something. So if you want to influence others, 
you got to do what I call an interrupt. you got to interrupt that pattern, that belief, so that you can get their attention. Number two, anticipation enhances engagement. So Christmas Eve, the World Series, Black Friday, any time that you're anticipating something, you're more engaged. So you're more engaged in your uh, weekend on a Friday than you are on a Monday because you're going back to work. Number three, engagement is equal to delivery. So one of my favorite movies, Fun with Dick and Jane, they made fun of the uh, 2008 housing bubble bursting. And there's this great scene where they're laying in bed, they start kissing, they're starting to get romantic, and one of them turns to the other and says, we should have sex on Tuesday and rolls over and goes to bed. If you've ever married longer than five years, it's kind of like that sometimes. But engagement is equal to delivery. If you come home and your loved one has put rose petals on the floor, lit candles, put on mood music, instantly you feel more engaged because you're thinking, hmm, what's going to happen? It's that anticipation plus the delivery. So if you want to engage people, look at the way you deliver. Look at the way that Apple products, um, the way they package their products versus the way another company just puts it in cardboard. They make everything in white with their logo, with acrylic glass on it. It looks beautiful. Fourth, surprise is the highest level of engagement. If you're driving around the corner and all of a sudden, bam, a deer's in the road, you are instantly engaged. You're not thinking about your bill, your children, your work. You are instantly engaged. And number five, the most, one of the most important ones, is how do you sustain the engagement? Like, how do you keep them interested? Sustainable engagement happens through repetition with, variation, with variation. So think of music. Bum, 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 Music, life, they're very repetitious. But if they change the way that they are delivered, it becomes more engaging. So if your life is boring, mix it up a little bit. Find a new hobby. Find a new friend. Find something you're interested in. Research something new. So that really briefly is a five levels and five laws of engagement. You know, Woody, I could just, as you're sharing, I'm thinking, how, how does this apply to business? In, in my mind, I'm going through each law of engagement. I'm saying, okay, this is what we can do to snap people out of their day-to-day, uh, going to work on the nine-to-five and say, hey, you can do something different with your life if you just take a look at it. But it's almost like you got to snap up out of that um, that daze that they're in. Uh, also, with the anticipation, you know, I have a theory about this because um, I've I've done some presentations and I and I've done powerpoints. And I've also used the Elmo, if you will, where you can draw and see people on the uh, see the drawings on the screen, or you have a, a pad attached to your computer and they can see the drawings on the screen. And I almost think that the drawings works better than the PowerPoint because people are anticipating what you're going to draw next versus if you have a PowerPoint, they're kind of sitting there and yeah, they know that there's going to be another slide. So they just kind of sit there and watch it. But the level of engagement isn't the same because they're not really anticipating what's next while you're drawing. It's a theory that I have. Haven't proven it yet, but I'm going to try it out. I'm going to test it out. 
I will say uh, time is I have proven it. It does work. It's why the cartoon drawings on YouTube videos are a lot more engaging than PowerPoint videos on YouTube. Because people, you're, you know, people are anticipating what's going to happen next. They're watching you draw something. And it also goes back to the way you learned growing up. Your teacher on a blackboard taught you by engaging you as she or he were writing on this blackboard. So it goes back mm. to the generations of why we learn and how we learn. Mm. Mm. Got it. And the delivery is all about marketing. That's what you're saying. If the guy comes home and uh, uh, the girl comes home or whatever, and they're putting the rose petals out and, and uh, you know, setting the ambiance and the context, you're really talking about marketing your business, which is the lifeblood of any business. The surprise is similar to uh, interrupting that pattern. Something pleasant, something unanticipated, because now you're going to be instantly engaged. And then how do you sustain that engagement? And part of that has to do with our business process is we have conversations with individuals who are interested in becoming real estate investors. We have to take them from engagement to or exposure to exposure so it's almost like we're walking them down the aisle going from door to door and exposing them to different parts of the business to sustain their engagement they get their questions answered and then they're ready to purchase real estate investing education so that they can become successful so all of this I can definitely see how it ties into a business, your entrepreneurial skill, particularly when it comes to real estate investing. Absolutely. You're spot on. Well, Woody, we are out of time, and I'm a little bit sad because <laughs> I, could, I could just have conversations with you, and I'm sure that our listeners would love to hear from you more. We touched a little bit about the emotions, and I know that you're the author of The Emotional Fingerprint, uh, and it's such a, a um, comprehensive subject. Will you please come back on my show so that we can just focus specifically on the emotional fingerprint? Would you have the ability to do that? I would love to. Anything for you, Lori. Absolutely. Uh, Woody, thank you so much. Once again, my good friend Woody Woodward, uh, author of several different books, as a matter of fact, um, Woody, uh, The Emotional Fingerprint, which I refer to, when I began coaching with him, it literally changed my personal life, my business life, and I became a very successful businesswoman and entrepreneur thanks to Woody's coaching. Woody, if they want to get in touch with you and find out more, where should they go? The easiest place to reach me is meetwoody.com, M-E-E-T-W-O-O-D-Y.com, meetwoody.com. Awesome. MeetWoody.com. Go check them out. Hey, Woody, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. All right. Take care. So for our last few minutes that we have, there's a piece that I call financial literacy. So I always love to um, just share some definitions with you and have a conversation with you about that. So today we're going to cover carrying costs. 
So what is that? Because real estate investors talk about their carrying costs when they acquire a property and then they've got to exit out of that deal. But what are going to be my monthly carrying costs until I exit out of that deal? So what is that exactly? So carrying costs is the expenses associated with holding a property until it is sold or able to generate sufficient revenue. This is normally applied by real estate investors to calculate the feasibility of a potential investment. So if you don't calculate your deals appropriately, when it comes time to exit out of that deal, whatever that exit strategy might be, let's say you're doing a fix and flip and you plan on adding value to that property and then selling it for a profit, If you don't calculate your deals appropriately when you exit, then you're not going to get paid or worse yet, you'll be at a loss. We have a saying in our business, you you make money when you buy, but you don't get paid until you sell. So if you don't acquire that property correctly, meaning you don't do your calculations correctly, you don't include in all the variables that are required, including your carrying costs, then you're going to run into trouble and not make your profit at, at the end. That's why real estate investing is so critical to understanding when you're doing deals. Please feel free to go to my website, thewetzelgroup.com, find out more information about real estate investing and education, and go ahead and type in some questions. I would love to answer them on the show. So I always like to end with a quote on, uh, on my shows, and I have two that I'm particularly fond of today based upon our conversation with both Woody and Michael. The first one, I'm not sure who the author is. I saw it off of Facebook and it says, quote, may you always do what you are afraid to do, unquote. You got to take a risk, folks. You got to be willing to step out on faith and pursue your dreams, Yep, you're going to take a risk and it may not come out perfect, but you know what? You're going to live a full life. And here's my other favorite quote, and I will end with this. It is by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Quote, the only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. Unquote. That's it today for Keeping It Real with Lori Wetzel, Real Estate Investing and Financial Literacy. I've enjoyed our show today. I hope you have too. Take care and tune in next week at 12 noon Central Time, uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, where we'll have more guests, celebrities, and information on real estate investing and financial literacy. Until there, take care and keep it real. Thank you so much for tuning into Keeping It Real. Be sure to join Lori Wetzel again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Central, and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. We know you'll learn something new every week, so we'll meet here again soon. Until then, focus on keeping it real and live a life of success.